Welcome to Magic Talks, hosted by Magic Man London. Magic Talks, Magic Man London. Hello everyone, welcome to Magic Talks. Uh, coming up in this episode, we have a very special guest. She is an experienced session, session, session singer. God, that's a tongue twister and a half. Uh, she can be heard on numerous hands and soundtracks, including Madagascar 2, Pirates of the Caribbean, Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, King Kong, Spider-Man 3, Fantastic Four, War of the World, The Da Vinci Code, The Island, and many original West End cast recordings, such as Mary Poppins. Please welcome Marika Rauscher to Magic Talks. That was a good start, wasn't it? Hang on. There you go. There you go. I'm no longer muted. <laughs> That'll be a little edit. It's the first time for everything. Who is? How are you? Very well, thank you. How are you? I'm all good. I haven't seen you since sometime last year where we met up in Wimbledon Village for lunch. Yeah, yeah. And then it must have been quite... in the summer. Yeah, and then got quite drunk on a rooftop terrace. Rubbish, we don't drink. <laughs> You're right, the alcohol just somehow gets into our systems. I know, it's very strange how that happens. I blame yeah. Magic Man. <laughs> The funny thing was, the day that we did that, I said, I've got to go home now. I've got to record an episode of the podcast. And then we were like, let's have a drink. I'll celebrate that. Let's yeah. go. And it's like, yeah. at some point, I'll get a guest on. And it's like, here we are. What is it? Six months? Something Could like be. that. Could well be. Yeah. Yeah. So, do you remember how we met? It, oh gosh, that wasn't wasn't it at Ian's star party? Yeah. Ian Rowland, sort of a fellow magician. Was I performing in that? You were. Party? So the star party for everyone who has never been, and it's an epic party. It's basically all the entertainers in London catching up, having some entertainment, and eating and drinking, basically. Yeah. Totally, yeah. entertaining each other for a change and celebrating each other's successes and networking and yeah, it's yeah. awesome. Love and it. it's normally done in January after we've had a busy Christmas period. Yeah, it's like our it's like any entertainer's Christmas party. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How was your December? It's like working. Yeah. Yeah. Not like last Christmas. December. That was a bit of a different one. <laughs> yes. So true. It's like, let us back to in person. That's another thing. In-person events, it just sounds so wrong now. It does sound a bit daunting, doesn't it? But, uh, you know, it looks like the green light is being flashed at us. And it it's is. all very positive. So we're definitely looking forward to that. Yeah. And I remember speaking to Ian and went, what's the entertainment? And it's like, Marika's singing. It's like, right, what does she sing? And it was just like, you have to wait and find out. <laughs> when I got speaking to you and it's like, so what are you doing? She went, you went, I'm like a singer. But you were very secretive about what you did. Yes. And then you disappeared. Yeah, I did disappear. I, sort of, I, I like to do that because it's what I do is unexpected. And yeah. it was one thing that I had to say to the sound engineer. Um, it, sort of in advance, mm. it said, please start the music. I will not be on the stage. I will be making an entrance from sitting in the audience or not even being in the room. 
um, I will hear the music and I will make my entrance and start singing because that is the surprise element of it is that people hear the voice before they see the person. Um, and I think putting the two together is sometimes the surprising aspect of it. Um, yeah. Well, what yeah. I love is we were sitting there, music started, and it's just like, okay, and nothing happened. It's like, nobody's on stage. No and one's coming to the building. Back. And she's gone, not doing this. <laughs> we should probably tell the listeners what I was actually singing. Yeah. So the opening number is always an opera number. Yes. Um, so it's not exactly a quiet entry. <laughs> We're not, not exactly quiet people. We're not the sort of people to sit in the corner and go, oh, it's a shy type. Um, but I do love that reaction that you get from the audience, especially when they don't know what to expect. And uh, something that became obvious to me, mainly from talking to my audience members, is the power of the voice. Yeah. And when you're a performer, we forget the power of our own craft and how people react to that. And when I was the in-house opera singer at Harrods, so many people used to just cry. And I was like, oh my God, I'm not that bad, am I? <laughs> Jesus Christ. And they were like, no, it was so emotional. And it reminds them of, you know, they said, oh, it reminded me that was a song we had sung at my mother's funeral. Or, And, you know, you just think, wow, those are really deep emotions that... I'm bringing to the forefront, but they're happy memories for them. Yeah. And right. it's, it's, it's almost like you feel like a sense of responsibility then to that, upholding that memory for them. Yeah. Um, it's beautiful. It's I really, remember, really... I still remember the, some of the songs you sang because you came up doing this big opera number. I'm not going to attempt it. Um, and it was a real belter. And then a yeah. few songs later you were talking about, it was a song about flat 47G or something. 14G, the girl in 14G. Yeah. And it's yeah. a really soft, like theatrical voice, like a West End sort of voice. It definitely starts that way. It does. It doesn't end that way. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's all nice. It kind of lulls, it's a bit like magic. It lulls you into that false sense of security. It's like, oh, this is a nice laid back number. And then all of a sudden, it's like belts out like this operatic voice. And it's like, there it is. Yep. Yeah. It's such a <laughs> fun piece to sing because the girl in 14G is the musical theatre voice and mm. she's basically introducing you to her neighbours and how she came to befriend her neighbours um, and that the girl in 13G living downstairs is an opera singer or a wannabe opera singer mm. and the girl above her in 15G is a jazz singer sort of like jazz rock sort of like you know just going for it and that they end up sort of singing duets and trios with each other so as a, as a performer it's wonderful because you get to switch into all these different characters you almost feel like a ventriloquist i don't know if that's the right kind of analogy but you know when you get to play with different voice types yeah. and different characters and then they seem to have a relationship with each other and you get to do all three of them and I don't think, I haven't seen many artists who do that um, effectively. Yeah. Um, and when it's done, oh, it's just so much fun. I think it's really fun for me as a performer, but I think it's also great fun for the audience, especially when you start off all quiet and twee and little bit sort of like, oh, I'm just a girl in 40G. And then you end up with a sort of, ah! 
<laughs> you know, this opera. I mean, people sort of laugh out of shock. I've just, um, just got this image in my head of people listening to the podcast with headphones. Oh, gosh, yes, sorry. <laughs> I just want to burst your eardrums. <laughs> sorry, not sorry, hashtag. <laughs> yes, you've forgotten. You'd forgotten about my little outbursts. Yeah, no, I think you should release that as a single. Oh, I sh oh, it would be so much fun to do, wouldn't it? Yeah. Just have it on in the radio or something like that, and just like, well, here's a nice little song, and everyone's like, oh, isn't that sweet? Oh my yeah. god, yes. If you need a kickstart in the morning. So, on the subject fun. of kind of your voice and you sing it all like your clients are like xbox like the big companies and oh, you just sing everywhere which is lovely uh, I, I get around are you trying to tell me i get around no 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 you said that <laughs> i didn't no, say I anything i've had a really wonderfully eclectic career to date long may it last uh yeah and it really has it's taken me from being the in-house opera opera singer at Harrods to yodeling for Xbox. I mean, who yodels for Xbox? For the love of God, of all bonkers things to do. Wow. Um, Hollywood on soundtracks. Um, I've performed at the Opera House and sung for the Royals. I mean, it's just, it's insane, really. Voiceovers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. It is. We get, we've both got jobs where we get paid to have fun. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. So yeah. with more and more people doing like Zooms and phone calls and now Clubhouse and everything, what can mm -hmm. people do to look after their voices? Because it's so important. Uh, take lessons with me. <laughs> plug, 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 plug. No, other than that, really, it's sort of there are, I do have two uh, singing exercise CDs that are downloadable purchases but there are exercises that you can do for the voice daily exercises yeah. and there are so many lessons i think we've all learned from going online is that even at the beginning i think i turned into my mother i was shouting at the computer it was like the early days of getting a mobile phone where you think you need to be heard in that other country without the device you know you're sort of like hello it's like Don Jolly with the massive phone. Yes, do you remember? Uh, it was so, like a library, it was like, hello! Yes! <laughs> and that's how I really was treating the computer. And I was really projecting and shouting. And I found myself so vocally tired by the end of the day that I was like, why? What on earth is going on? And I was just sort of like, oh, well, because I have very little knowledge of how microphones in computers work. Yeah. So I don't know how much it's picking up or distorting or whatever. So, oh my gosh, talk about technology hurdles that we had to overcome. Yeah, and timings, timings go out the window. Yes. It's like when I'm out performing, I know how long a trick takes. And I've been yeah. messing around with Zoom, not doing it properly yet, but just trying stuff out. And all of a sudden a trick that I know takes me like three and a half minutes in the real world, I'm doing in a minute and a half. Yeah, well, you haven't got the audience interaction. Yeah, and it's, yeah. it's so important. Mm. Um, so the pacing of things is very different. and But yes, yeah, so vocally, there are exercises you can do every day. I mean, yeah. one of my go-to exercises that I do every day in the shower, um, 
because everyone needs to know what I do in the shower blatantly. Yeah. It's humming, humming. I love humming or sirening where you just sort of anything like that because in the summer I suffer from hay fever in the winter I'm very susceptible to colds so you know sod's law as a singer I am just a snotty person and so the humming is the vibrations will shift any congestion out of the way so it just clears out the airways a little bit obviously it won't clear you know get rid of the cold or, or solve the hay fever if I could do that and bottle it I'd be rich but um yeah it's humming is fantastic it's my go-to for everything so really to loosen everything up get things working is yeah. wonderful and hydrating yeah. like make sure you're having the fluid oh my gosh yeah really yeah. And right. enough sleep i mean yeah. we sort of forget how important our physical and mental health is to our delivery so not just you know if we're physically tired you will sound vocally tired you can you hear know, it with voices. You can. It's like something sort of thing, and it's just kind of, you get the saliva and everything stuck in the mouth. And it's just like, it yeah. just doesn't sound nice. No. And I can guarantee, I mean, maybe no bad thing, but when I'm tired, my voice actually does drop by a tone or two. So it just sounds much more gravelly. And for people mm -hmm. who think, I've, you know, I've got a very high pitched voice anyway, might uh, welcome that lower range for a little bit. Like, oh, yeah. thank God for that. <laughs> like oh she's given us a bit of a break yeah. but um yeah i really do notice it and it's just the energy and your voice is different and that obviously will relate to how you physically present yourself and your physicality yeah so 100%. everything is connected you can't alienate one from the other and people often forget that yeah it's like when i'm doing a big event and i presume you're the same uh, i'll find the nearest bar and i'll say to them look can i get the biggest glass of water you've got and just leave it on the side for me because yeah. you can you can feel when your voice is starting to get that uh, a tiny bit dry go and have that yeah. sip of water and you go back yep exactly While you're struggling with it yeah exactly um, right i'm just like don't shout it's just kind of and especially in environments for magicians where you have a hell of a lot of background noise to combat you know and you're not there with microphones mm. so that is particularly hard i mean it's one thing that i learned the hard way is that when I was uh, doing a lot of tours and things like that or getting lifts from people to get to gigs is that you want to catch up with people so you're yeah. talking you're talking continuously for a two hour or three hour journey and you're not only just talking you are talking over the sound of the engine the road noise and everything that comes with it and so by the time you actually get to the venue and you have to do the gig you're going why why am i feeling a bit vocally exhausted and it's like well you know you've been extraordinarily friendly and yeah. caught up with your colleague yet you have been shouting over the engine for two hours yeah without realizing it without realizing it and that things like that will impede the voice you know so yeah we just forget so here's a question and i think i know the answer but i love your answer when you gave it last time uh can anyone sing Absolutely. Absolutely. If you can speak, you can sing. So I sing in the shower and in the car when no one's around. And to my, in my head, it sounds quite good. However, to <laughs> everyone else, I could book me if you want a room cleared. No, stop it. 
Well, you know, and even, well, I've actually scared burglars away with my voice. <laughs> it's a true story. I got burgled when I was living in Waterloo and I thought, because we, my flatmate at the time was also working in, in theatres, front of house and box office. So we had odd hours, you know, different working hours than a nine to five. And um, it was around midday, I remember that. And I thought he'd, I'd heard the door. I heard someone come in, walk past the bathroom. So I was just shouting out, going, I love you, right? Blah, 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 blah. No response, thinking, odd, but maybe he's in a hurry, you know, on his lunch break or something. Had to come back and pick something up. And completely bypassed me that the house had been burgled. You know, because it's like, it's not until later the evening when my flatmate got back home, phoned me up when I was at work and said, did you move my DVD player? Did you move the TV? Did you move this? Did, have you taken that? And I went, I never touch your stuff. Why would I want to move any of that stuff? And he was like, because it's gone. And I was like, did you come home for lunch earlier? And he just went, no, I've not been back all day. And I went, well, someone was definitely in the flat when I was in the shower. I started singing opera and they left. <laughs> Oh, I'd love so, to see the police witness. Like oh they catch God. him, this is like, yeah, we think it's him. Um, but although you didn't see him, can you do a song for us, and we'll judge his reaction? We'll judge their reaction. See if see if, if there's a. It's it's better than a lie detector test. <laughs> you can lie so those. You know, I just went. You know, if everything goes horribly wrong with my career, I'm just going to go out as a human burglar alarm. <laughs> Either, well, they always have a backup plan, don't they? Either do that or a sat -nav. <laughs> I think you make an epic sat -nav. Oh, God. Yeah. Like, the nice calm voice is like, turn left and everything. But when it gets, right, here's, here's the one putting you on the spot. If someone takes a wrong turn, and like, you know when they go, make a U-turn, what's the most aggressive way you can tell someone to make a U-turn? To, to, to do it or not to do it? No, so you know in the sat -nav, it's kind of like, turn around when possible and it says it in that nice voice i think it should be a threatening voice sort of like turn around <laughs> yeah and they're like yep doing it now <laughs> either that or they've swerved into a wall out of the shock of it all and they're just sort of like well i didn't quite make the u-turn but um yeah. it definitely got me off the road yes i walked on the m25 at the time <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> so, uh, on the subject of kind of either becoming a sat nav or a burglar alarm, <laughs> as you have been able to go out and do events and like teaching lessons as normal, how have you how have you adapted during COVID? And are you going to stick with it, or are you looking forward to going back to like that horrible word in person teaching? Um, well, I took all of my work online early doors. Um, I wasn't dawdling. I was straight on it. Uh, and you learn a lot, actually. I mean, it was daunting at the beginning, um, but it was daunting for everyone. There was a comfort in that, is that for the majority, of, I'd only done a handful of clients where I was teaching on Skype. If I had clients abroad uh, doing competitions and they wanted to check in for warm-ups and stuff like that. So um, I'd used Skype previously, but the technology had really advanced uh, since then. Um, and 
I've learned a lot about my own teaching skills simply because you can't sing or talk at the same time on Zoom. Yeah. Uh, so I'd have to demonstrate, the student demonstrates it back. That's not, uh, wasn't a different format for me, but I wasn't able to accompany them on the piano or give them any aid to helping them pitch their notes, for example. So it really held them accountable for their own lessons and their own process of learning. Um, and with songs, they use backing tracks now as accompaniment, and it's really making them having to use their ears and their pitching and their oral technique. And 100% all of my students have improved over yeah. this period of time in different ways. Um, so that's something that I would definitely take with me going forward. I've learned a lot of lessons about how I was teaching and that maybe I was taking um, too much responsibility or helping my students too much uh, in giving them that buffer. Um, and that it's important to take that away from them. Yeah, you know, uh, I used to give people magic lessons, kind of one-on-one, -on -one, sitting down with them with a pack of cards, teaching them the very basics for some of them on what cards to use, how to hold them, because that's the most important bit. If you right. hold the pack of cards wrong in the beginning, no matter what else I teach you, it's not going to work. Right. Uh, and I thought, yeah. right, I can't do that over Zoom because it's just like, it's just not that, especially as it flips the image. Oh, right. Like, when I go back, how can I do it? And it's like, well, let them make those mistakes. When you see the mistake about to happen, let it happen. Yes. Yeah. And it's like, because yeah. the one times I saw it going wrong and I went, oh, before that happens. And right. I've been learning new stuff over lockdown and say, like, I've learned from my mistakes. Yeah, you Let observe them. differently, don't you? Yeah. It's fascinating. So am I looking forward to going back face-to-face? -face? Sort of with my choirs, most definitely. I really miss not hearing the sound of the choirs and what they're producing. Yeah. Um, that's a massive aspect in, in the choral sector. Um, the one-to-one -one teaching, yes, I, I just miss the human interaction. You know, you have a very different energy on a computer than what you do in real life. Yeah. And I miss getting that energy, you know, <laughs> and getting it. I mean, I, st I think I still give it, but it's sort of like it, you just don't receive it in the same way. Um, so, yes, I mean, when it's safe to do so, um, but that's going, that's another big question. It's a big black hole at the moment, especially yeah. with singing and aerosols and all of this kind of stuff in when, you know, there's certain setups in central London anyway that I work in are usually basement studios with only air conditioning for ventilation. Um, and is that then time efficient? when I used to have clients back to back to now have a 15, 20 minute window where everything has to be disinfected, aired and cleared. You know, you're sort of, it's it's a, it's gonna be a tough call. I mean, mm. obviously I'd love to get back face to face, but there's a, still a lot of question marks over how to make that financially time efficient and safe. Yeah. And until all those boxes are ticked, I will be staying online. So everyone's aiming for the 21st of June. It's like, look, they said that's at the earliest. And I think that's where lots of people are making mistakes. They're going, right, yeah. 21st of June, all this is over. It's like, I'm more than happy to go out and do magic events. Um, mm. But ideally, I want to have at least my first jab first. Yes. Gives me the well, protection. And I think a lot of venues will go, if you want to work with us, we're going to want you to have had the vaccine. Well, understandably. I can also understand that from a certain standpoint in that... 
you know, we do have a certain amount of knowledge that long COVID is or can be something that is an, a, a result of, yeah. of contracting COVID. And there is no guarantee as to who, where or what could result with that. Now, for us performers, it's not like you can get sick leave from a job and get paid for that. You yeah. know, if, if we go down, our business goes down. And, you know, if, if I am going back face to face, let's not forget I'm coaching um, people who are also freelancers, mm. not just singers and actors who work professionally. And I work with children. So there is a cross contamination of certain things. And I wouldn't risk myself and I wouldn't risk my clients' health and their business in yeah. that way. So, as I said, safety is a precaution that's really going to come into play. It's, it's yeah, interesting, I think it's, really, it's, it's, really it's almost like you've seen what the next question is. Oh, no. <laughs> You're doing okay. all the segments for me and it, it's wonderful. Um, so, we've talked about this for hours on the phone, uh, what you're actually paying for and how to read a room. So yes. when someone goes, how much do you charge? And we tell them, it's like, oh, that's a lot of money. But it's like, mm -hmm. you're not just paying for us to come along and do a few tricks or for you to sing. You're paying for the years of experience and like our petrol and everything. Because if we're ill, we can't work. Yep. Um, so what's your view on it? When, when someone says to you, like, you go through everything and normally the price is the last thing. Yes. And it's just kind of, yeah. oh, we really want you, we've seen you here. So they know they want you. And it gets down to that last question of, yeah, how much is it going to be? Yeah, it is. And it's, it's a matter of explaining it to them. I think I've been quite lucky in that I've set my price and the clients that I work for, at the sort of high-end events, they understand what they're getting for that price. But... You know if i had to summarize it for new clients who were a bit dubious mm. i said you know you can people will remember this event not just for what i sing and how i sing it but for how i leave them feeling yeah you know it's like it will become memorable because they have been involved in a performance it's been interactive it's made a difference or if I get enough information in advance, if it's for a wedding or a birthday or an anniversary, I'll get information about that client or the situation or the event that I'm working at. Um, get their names, drop their names into the song or make it relevant to them. Yeah. You know, it just personalizes, it gives it a little bit of a touch. Um, and they remember things like that, you know, and yeah, it's a tricky one. I sort of, uh, I, I've been on a bit of a rant this morning on Twitter because so many jobs uh, I'm seeing advertised for voluntary services or yeah. being paid for a fruit basket. And, you know, it's an old, age old tale in our industries that people want our services for free. Yeah. And, you know, but especially in this current climate, it is absolutely unacceptable. We all need to take responsibility for getting the industries, not just music, uh, you know, the events industries, everyone, hospitality, 
we need to take responsibility for getting that back off the ground and making yeah. it successful. Working for free isn't going to pay our bills and it sure as hell isn't going to get this industry back on its feet because it devalues the product. People aren't going to, you know, they're not going to pay for events. If You know, they're sort of like, well, what am I paying for? I'm just yeah. lining your pocket. You're not paying the artists. You're not paying the chefs. You're not paying the cleaner. It's, it's no, I'm sorry. It's like, let's literally knock this on the head right now yep. and i'm not usually one to talk out especially not on social media but i think it's really important to really yeah. important 100 um, like, oh look at the exposure you can get it's like last time i looked exposure didn't pay bills if it does no. great <laughs> and also the kind of exposure they think they're giving you also just shows up their ignorance that they haven't actually looked at your cv your experience um you know it's sort of like i'm sorry but your town mayor is not exposure yeah <laughs> you know it isn't yeah. for them that for them that's a big deal and i'm yeah. happy for you i'm really glad that you've landed somebody that can come to your event that is going to lift it for your clientele your business or whatever for me that's not exposure right you know, it's sort of like your little town mayor versus me having sung for the royal family. Yeah. Where do you think I'm going to go? Yeah. If if you don't want to pay me, but you can put me on like the front of the stage for the like royal variety performance, it's streamed on across right. the TV. Yeah, fine. Right. Exactly. Give me a guest list. Tell me exactly who's on that guest list, and I'll tell you if anyone on there is worth my exposure. Yeah. For free. It's it, like, it means, in all honesty, you should still pay me for that exposure because I am working. Those are my hours. That's what I've trained years to. Oh, don't don't get me started. Don't get. <laughs> I know. Me I know. It's why I asked the question because it's like I know I can get you on it because we're all. <laughs> it. like my mum and dad came up with a comment a few weeks ago and saying, "Well, after the pandemic, will you be lowering your prices?" I went, "No." Jesus, no. No, and she's like, "Well, why not?" I said, "Because." If anything, I've got better during lockdown because I've improved the old tricks and come up with new ones and I've been staying present online and everything like that. And Refining like, it. It all takes time. And, like, and that's also, what you're paying for. Yes. And then also the extra precautions we're going to have to take makes it 10 times harder for us. So we're working 10 times harder at the same product. Yeah. So that's something they're forgetting as well. Um, you know, it's... Oh gosh, yeah. When I get started, it's a bit like a <laughs> bit like being at the races, and she's off, and she's in the lead, and she's going to get there, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Fasten your seatbelts. Fasten your seatbelts. She's she's gone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like one thing you and I both do exceptionally well, I think, is read a room, and no one yeah. understands the importance of what reading room does yeah well done for bringing me back to that i obviously went off on one of my famous tangents um <laughs> and then didn't answer that yeah no absolutely in that you have to read a room because it can make or break your act if you don't pick up on the energy of people on their personalities and what they're comfortable with you know sort of like for example in my opera cabarets I will go around and sit on people's laps, as inappropriate as that now sounds. That's, you know, it, now sounds, it was probably always inappropriate, let's be truthful. But, you know, or there is the sort of like, 
dare I say it, the old school sort of like pick on the bald headed guy yeah. and give him a kiss on the head. Or it's it's not meant to be offensive, it's endearing, yet there is a tongue in cheekness about it. And as an artist, you are always pushing certain boundaries like that. But, you know, and especially at weddings or at parties, you, when they see that you're working a room and when they see that you get somebody up to dance or that you are being that interactive, you start seeing people pointing at their friends and trying to egg you over yeah. to please do it to my friends, come and do it to my friend. And a lot of the time I won't because I've worked that room and that friend is not open to it. And my yeah. job is not to humiliate my audience and it sure as hell won't make for a good act when that energy of the room drops like a hot potato because I've tried to pander to your like. No, it's my act. Yeah. Trust me, I know what I'm doing. I'm not ignoring your mate. Uh, you know, I will come over and maybe put my hand on their shoulder. Yeah. A wink and a smile is probably as far as I'd go with that person because I know for a fact it's not going to work. It will be so cringeworthy and embarrassing for them and for me. Yeah. You know, as an artist, you should know better. We, we've so all had like, it. Yeah. It's like you're doing an event and someone like, oh, come and see my friend. It's like, yeah, I'll be over there in a minute or whatever. And normally that table's like three, four on. You don't go over yeah. when you say you're done to go over. Yeah. yeah. You're yeah. in that, you're reading the room and you're knowing where to go. And you have to keep that energy right. Yeah. You know, it's sort of like if that energy dips, I've got to work even harder to gain their trust back. You know, yeah. once it's gone, it's gone. And my act dies a death, you know. So it's like, yeah, they're actually, it's the same with my songs and my tracks. They are pre-thought out mm. of you know, how am I going to work the room? What is the energy going to be? When in the event does it happen? Is it at the beginning of the event? Is it an icebreaker? Is it between yeah. the formal and the informal? Are you trying to transition the mood of what's about to come up? That is my role. You know, yeah. a lot of the time, like with weddings, I will sing after just, you know, at the very end of the dinner, because that's when they want people to go and have a drink. And it's like, yes, it's disco time now. Everyone comes and clears the tables. And this is the very British thing I find because I've been to multicultural weddings where it doesn't happen. Mm. But the British seem to, to need to go to the bar for half an hour, get absolutely legless to get themselves on the dance floor. Um, and, you know, and by then it's no fun anymore. So my right. act is literally when you go from ABBA, or from opera down to ABBA, I've got them all up on their feet by the end of it. They are already in a party mood because I have transitioned the formal to the informal. Yeah. And then just hand over to the DJ. And if it's any good DJ, keep them on their feet. They are ready to go. Don't even give them the option to go to the bar. Yeah, don't throw the clothes <laughs> on, for God's sake. Get, put one of the classics on that gets everyone on the dance floor. Exactly. And then I remember speaking to a DJ once and it wasn't the best one um just because normally when you do events you work with the same sort of people yeah and there was this one dj he says as long as like they're up on the floor for most of the songs it's like you want them on the floor for every song yeah you need exactly. to understand the room understand yeah. what music they're into and keep them on yeah. that floor but also sort of like they have to be a bit more flexible in that way as well and sort of like read into the other acts it's like i will watch the act before me yeah um i will pick up on what they've done 
how they've done it. Um, I've actually had acts that have used my songs in their act directly before me. So I've quickly had to change my song choices because it's like it was too similar or it's not going to work now. Yeah. You know, it, 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 you need to mix it up. And I've had that with a DJ where I finished on Mamma Mia and his second song in the set, guess what it was? Mamma Mia. Mamma Mia. Everyone had just listened to that. And yeah. it was just like, are you serious? I was in the back sort of obviously sort of getting my stuff together. I was like, no, no, did you? Why? Yeah. Why oh, did you not, the link. Were you not there when I was singing? Were you not setting up? Were you not listening? Oh, it's just little things like that, yeah. you know, because, and those are things that you don't know in advance because I have no contact to your other, you know, yeah. as an, as, if you hire me, I've got no access to the other entertainers or to the DJs. And yeah. uh, sometimes if it's a small event, I will say, um, you know, simply for making life easier for all of them, I said, have you got a DJ? Have you got a PA system? Have you got this? Then, you know, it'll also bring your costings down if I don't have to bring yeah. my own equipment with me, set it up, bring sound engineers, whatever. You know, in those kind of ways, it's just, then you do get a little bit of interaction with them, but otherwise they're in the dark. Yeah. We're all in the dark, winging it on the job. So one thing we talked about in a phone call, got a while ago now, I can't remember how long. The beautiful thing with you is I can call and like, you won't answer. We can not speak for like a month or so. And then all of a sudden we'll pick up the phone and it'll be like we spoke them the other day. <laughs> I know, I know. I am notoriously hard to get hold of on the phone. I, I, I put my hands up to that. Yeah. And the one thing you mentioned a while ago that you hate about me, but in a really nice way is if someone comes out with a line, I've got a line to beat that line. This is like, me without about it, it's like, there it is. Um, I can't so remember most of them. They're just stored at the back of the head for that moment when someone says something. And the amount of people who book me on that. Yeah. Just kind of just it's having a chat and someone says something and I'm like, there it is. Because you yeah. don't want to break that moment. No. And it's keeping, as we were saying, the energy alive and keeping the magic alive. And it's it's entertainment. Yeah. People want to be entertained. And um, and it's again finding that right balance. Yeah. You know in saying something that you, it's a bit tongue-in-cheek you know you can get away with it but it's not going to mortify them yes it's so not I have too it with a stick trick. but it leaves up to the imagination and then you get to know more about them because their yeah. imagination will uh, their response will tell you yeah. how, how they feel about it you've seen me do the stick trick the one with the white the white stick and the black crosses oh yes yeah so there is that line right at the beginning and it, i can't remember it came about it probably came about by me listening to people after I've done the trick or something, because we need to listen to people. That's where we get our best lines from. Yeah. Uh, and I bring it out and I go, do you know what this is? And this is where the timing is so vital. If I mistime this, the line doesn't work. And it's like, do you know what this is? And before they answer, I go, it's not that. <laughs> and in their head, and that yes. tells you a lot about the person. Yeah. If they go, what do you mean? It's like, okay, I know where I'm going with you. But if they go... <laughs> You can see them go, how does he know? It's sort of like, I wasn't even thinking that and now you put that thought in my head. Yeah, but again, it's reading yeah. the room and reading the person quickly. Yeah. And when you're first starting out, you don't have these lines. If there's a or you get caught. I love getting caught because I learn from it. Totally. 
uh, I remember doing a trick many years ago and this line popped into my head. I don't know where I picked it up from. My brain just went, here it is. And the chat went, I saw what you did there. I went, great, so did I. <laughs> <laughs> he stopped talking. I continued. There was not a moment of, oh, did you? Because that, again, that kills the moment. Yeah. If you give them that, even that moment of hesitation, You've just got to it's be confident broken, what you're doing. Isn't it? The magic is broken. Yeah. yeah. There's that famous saying, isn't there? It's like, if you've never had a bad gig, you haven't done enough. <laughs> it's a really good saying. We've, we've all done events and you leave so going, true. oh, God. It is so true. Yeah. yeah. But then sort of like, you know, a lot of the time as well, um, I did the wedding fairs and, you know, all these different things where you try and, and sort of poach, poach a bit of business. Yeah. And I'll never forget one couple, they actually booked me, but they came up to me and said, we hate opera. We can't stand <laughs> it. We want to book you because you're great, but for the love of God, don't sing opera. And I was just sort of had to argue with them because I was just like, well, if you're booking me for the drinks reception, Number one, you're not even going to be there because you have your photos taken, so you don't have to listen to it, mm. right? I said, number two, please trust me on this, is that I can do any genre you want, but the first two numbers is going to be a, a precondition of my booking that I will sing opera. Yeah. Because you potentially have two different sides of the family that I've never met, and sometimes it's even culturally right they don't even speak the same language or you know so how do you bring my job is to create an atmosphere to bring these this event together yeah so i said you know what let me sing the first opera song you know very complimentary people have said oh we thought it was a, a record or music playing in the background you know and I take that as a compliment because yeah. if you're struggling so much that they realize it's a live singer struggling like hell, that's not a, a good thing. Yeah. So by the second one, people might actually go, oh, my God. Oh, my God, she's actually singing opera. <laughs> or, or the granny in the corner is going, I can't stand opera. You're not going to do that all day, are you? A oh, bloody hell, who booked a freaking opera singer? We are singing that, You know, whatever. So, but it's start, I don't care if you love it or hate it. That's not my job. They have started a conversation. Yeah. That's my job. In that instance, it's not about my ego and everyone listen to me. Mm. It's about how do I break the ice? What is going to get their attention? What is going to get the job done? Yeah. Um, and I said, you know, that's essentially what you're booking me for. So please work with my experience and knowledge of this. Um, which they did. And, you know, they did write to me afterwards and said, you were absolutely right. The feedback was as much as you said it would be that people were disbelief of it. And they're still talking about it now. Yeah. Like, I and still remember the one he did. At the about that. Yeah. What makes it memorable? What, why, you know, you don't want people talking about it for the wrong reasons. Yeah. It's the same as magic. It's kind of, we have openers and closers and bits that go in the middle, but your yeah. openers are designed too open. You can't close with an opener. It's not. <laughs> you imagine me doing all the magic and finishing with a stick. It doesn't. It doesn't work. And it takes no. years to get to that stage of knowing yeah. what works, what doesn't. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I love it. It's now sort of in my back pocket. Sort of like I've, you know, I've been paid not to sing. <laughs>
Yeah. So for something they didn't even like. Uh, last few questions because this could go on for another like two hours. Um, oh, that's your listeners. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're five minutes in. Um, <laughs> you've just got your first ever car. Fiat 500. Yeah. Um, but I must say, sort of, uh, not many people know about it. I sort of said it to a few friends. I said, I'm absolutely petrified. Not simply because it's just very grown up, but I had a very negative internal monologue with myself since I failed twice when I was 18, in that I kind of told myself I couldn't drive. Or I, my confidence was knocked so badly that over the years it built a mountain out of a molehill yeah um and i knew it was completely irrational but there it was and it would trigger absolute anxiety of, of at the thought you know sort of uh, and then i suddenly realized i just went actually i think it was some a friend of mine that pointed it out i don't think i came to this conclusion myself at all and they said well marika i think you're wrong what is your actual fear yeah. and i said well is it driving the vehicle? I said, no. I said, the operations of how to drive, it's fine. I don't have an issue with that at all. I said, it's just knowing when to change lanes or how to get on a roundabout and off the roundabout and, you know, the really big ones, not the little ditty ones. And yeah. just, and he went, well, that's just road confidence. Yeah. You're not scared of driving. You, are simply an inexperienced driver with rational concerns about road experience that you haven't had. That makes you a safe driver, yeah. you know? And I was just like, oh my God, you're right. That never even dawned on me because I'd always told myself, you can't drive, you can't drive. Yeah. Or there's a rational fear that I'd never really analyzed. Um, so, yeah, really, really nerve wracking. I've been making sure that I get in the car every day, even if it's just to drive around the block, yeah. um, just to stop myself from shaking like an absolute bloody leaf by the time I get out of the car. You know yeah, what you so... could do? Have a couple of driving lessons. I could do. I want to get a motorway lesson because um, I've never been on a motorway. motorway. I've never driven on a motorway. You're not allowed to when you're learning. You're not, are you? No. Well, yeah. Uh, so there's something called Pass Plus or something that you normally yeah, do exactly. before you take your test, where they teach you in their car how to join a motorway. To be honest, yeah. I reckon it's more dangerous joining like an A road, like the A3, than it is the M25. No way. Yeah, because M25, <laughs> you've got that long slip road to get onto it. A3, oh, okay. slip road on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's just experience, isn't it? But I'm very excited at... Um... You know, they say if you're a little bit scared and very excited by an idea, you're on to a good thing. And that's pretty much how I make a lot of my business decisions. It's like, well, how does it make me feel? I said, yeah. a little bit scared, but mostly excited. It's like, then do it, you know? And um, so I just went, yeah, come on then. Especially with the current climate and stuff like that. I just feel very caged and the freedoms that I think a car is going to bring me. I have no intention of driving into town. I think public transport will come back into play for me um, because it is 
cheaper and quicker to get around central London yeah. a lot of the time. And I don't want to pay the congestion charge and all that. But it's just getting out of London for a break or getting to gigs, you know, where a lot of the times the little choo-choo trains out and the dog's end of nowhere stop running. And it's the local farmer who isn't really a taxi service, but that's yeah. the local taxi man. And he's gone to bed. Yeah. Um, and you can't get home and you're kind of yeah. stranded in the middle of nowhere. And it's that kind of anxiety and stress I want to start alleviating in my life. Yeah. You know, when you're younger and on the roads a lot, you kind of, I, I have, I've slept uh, just outside of Reading. I slept on a train station for three hours waiting for the, for the first trains to start because yeah. I couldn't get any connection. Yeah. And I didn't want you to pay up. You gigs a lot more fresher. So when I travel to a gig that isn't in London, I drive and I put on like a cheap t-shirt and like, a rubbish pair of trousers or whatever mm. so i'm not driving in my work gear yeah and schlepping my gear around on public transport mm. especially during rush hour nobody likes me i don't like me and then you know if people sort of like kick my suitcase out of the way i'm just sort of like that is some serious expensive kit in there yeah you want to watch yourself. Yeah, watch your life insurance. <laughs> you might need to pay up. <laughs> yeah. So, so I'm, yeah, I'm really, really excited. Um, what's the one thing you had known, wish you'd known when you started your career? One thing I'd wish I'd known? Yeah. Blimey. God. Now you've caught me... Uh off guard yeah that's why it's one of the last questions because it, it, it's a real kind of thought-provoking question one thing i think i'd wish i'd known how much i can charge yeah not undervaluing myself i think that's the key to it I yeah think... knowing what you're worth yeah i, I still don't think i've, I've nailed it but <laughs> But yeah, I think so. I think I was giving myself away very, very cheaply, not pricing myself, not pricing in the expenses. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, but then again, sort of like no regrets. You learn as you go along. And although I have said that these whole gigs for free thing is, you know, enough already. Don't get me wrong. Sometimes there are gigs I want to do and they haven't got the budget. Well, that's my call. Yeah, you know, and they normally um, throw favours in. Yeah, and if I'm trying out, testing out new ground and things like that, it's like, yeah, I'll throw myself at the wall, see what sticks, yeah. what, what works and what doesn't. Um, but yes, I think, I think valuing my product, myself, and my worth yeah. is something I would have liked to have had more knowledge, confidence in at the beginning. Yeah, and just getting out there and doing it. Well, yeah. I think so many people go, well, what happens if it doesn't go as planned? It's like, well, unless you do it, you'll never find out. We've all made mistakes. Yeah, well, I never had that barrier. I've always just thrown myself at it. <laughs> can you do it? I say yes, and then I learn how to do it afterwards. You put the phone down and go, oh, shit. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I have to learn how to do that now. An ultimate question. Uh, what's your retirement plan? So once you've done everything you want to do, What's the ideal situation, kind of, you finished performing and everything, it's like, right, this is what I want to do. Like, old age. I'm sorry, I finished performing. I stopped listening. I was like, what? <laughs> that kind of I, I, knew, I knew I was in a phrase that one. It's like, huh? Care? Ret 
retirement? You'll be lucky. Who has the privilege in the arts world to retire? <laughs> we can wish though, can't we? It's an, it's an interesting thought. Thank you. <laughs> What's the, right, let's rephrase it. What's your ultimate ambition? What's the one thing you haven't done yet that you'd love to do? Oh God, there's loads. There's always loads more to do. Um, I, I, I always wanted to do the voiceovers um, for an actual Disney character. So I've always been uh, soundscaping, like in Harry Potter, I was the ghosty sounds, oh, sort of floating in the corridor. Um, but I wanna be an actual named character. That would be awesome. Uh, I One skill, I always promised my, two skills I always promised myself Ooh. I would learn or want to learn. Uh, I'd love to learn sign language. And that takes people by surprise. So they're like, well, hold on a minute. Your whole career is about being able to hear. Yeah. Um, I was like, but I'm also, because everything I do is about communication and presentation, there's, it bugs me that there is a whole group and demographic of people I'm not accessing and I can't communicate with them in any shape or form, be that from children's entertainment, events, teaching, coaching. And that really bugs me. That really bugs me. So I'd love to learn how to do sign language. Um, the second skill I've always wanted to learn uh, since a child, I have two left feet and can't imagine that I'll be any good at it. Tap dancing. Totally want to learn how to tap dance. Because right. I saw a movie once where this guy was tap dancing and eating a tub of ice cream at the same time. And I was like, winner, absolute winner. There it is. So yeah. I can't help you with the tap dancing or the sign language, but I do know a friend who works for Disney. Oh, put me in touch, put me in I touch. I will. Yeah, it's like, there you go. Um, this is what happens when you ask people. It might be nothing, but you know what? It's a step in the right direction. Yeah, so, absolutely. There you go. That's the main one of the interview. Uh, number one, where can people connect with you on social media? Oh, gosh, uh, most of them. So <laughs> I've whored myself on social media. <laughs> I, I'm on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. I'm not on Snapchat. I do have a TikTok channel, but mainly for the effects. <laughs> um, Instagram? YouTube. Instagram, I said LinkedIn, my website, of course, www.marikarausha.com. And everything on social media is under Marika Rausha, all one word. Okay. So, and there's only two Marika Rauschas on Facebook, and it's pretty evident which one is the singer and which one is somebody in Austria. Yeah. So, we will put the links in the description as well. And here comes the last question. This is how I finish every podcast with a guest. Uh, what's the best magic trick you've ever seen? Your stick. Your white stick. It is, isn't it? It's bloody brilliant. I love it. It's yeah. just kind of, it's, it's short to the point. And again, it's memorable. It's brilliant. I've never seen anything like it. I must say there was a lot of loads of card tricks that I'd seen. Um, I, I think I saw Ian Rowland eating glass once and that really upset me. Yeah. Um, Wasn't even a trick. <laughs> I know. 
that's just him on a night out having a few yeah. beers. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm just, and then I, what, I, what I really don't like, again, what surprises people, is I hate being called up from the audience to be the magician's assistant. Oh, and again, leaving the room. You'd think, being a performer, that that would be, I'd be in my element. But you know what? It, I have the fear, again, there's a fear. I have the fear of really effing up your trick. Yeah. I'm, I'm the kind of idiot that would do something wrong and this trick is now going to bomb and it's all my fault because I don't know the difference between left and right or blue and black or I don't know. Oh, I just like, oh, please, please don't ask me. I, I kind of fall over my own two feet if I'm not prepared. Don't do it. Don't do it to your act. Save yourself. Save yourselves! On that note... <laughs> Uh, thank you very much for being on the show. It's been a pleasure talking to you. And uh, yeah, I will speak to you soon. Thanks so much for having me. Take care. Bye. See you soon.